This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com www.k-a-n-g-a-r-o-o-f-e-r-n.com A Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate Production Samutsari Conversation with Mimi To connect with other women who may need someone to talk to around everyday life issues and challenges from managing career and household to inner productivity, relationships, and other hot topics. Samutsari Conversation with Mimi. Welcome to Samutsari Conversations with Mimi, a podcast featuring hot topics and other topics of interest for women and men alike. This is your host, Mimi Lorilla, where I sometimes talk on my own and sometimes I feature guests who share their passion and commitment to their profession and their talents or whatever it is that they are doing at the moment. So here at Samutsari, we share stories to inspire you, stories from ordinary people who make extraordinary things. And in today's episode, I'm, I'm lucky always. I always say I'm lucky if I have people that are joining my show because it's lonely to talk by yourself, you know. But if I have other people in, in the show, I get excited and I feel lucky because obviously they can give me a lot of their own personal insights. And today, I have here with me two masteral students who are almost finishing up. Um, they are from Federation University here in Melbourne. We have Bristi Osti and Harshani Ekenayake. So welcome, Bristi, and welcome, Harshani. Samutsari, it, it means anything and everything. So Samutsari is a Filipino word. So because my show is like very open to any topic, I can talk about anything <laughs> I want to talk about. It. But today our focus is about multicultural women, uh, international students, studying here in Australia. In your case, you're studying here in Melbourne. So maybe briefly say hi to our audience so they can be listeners, they can be viewers of the YouTube channel. And tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I'll ask Harshani to do it. Sure. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, I am Brishti Osti, and I am from Nepal originally. And I've been in Australia for about a year and a half, almost two years now. Um, and I'm currently doing my Master's of Social Work. And alongside it, I am also a personal care assistant. I work at an aged care facility. So, for me. Thank you, Bristi. Hi, Shani. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, thank you for having me today, uh, Mimi. Uh, so, good evening, everyone. Um, I'm Harshani Kanaika from Sri Lanka. Uh, so, I've been living in Australia for almost like five years now. I completed my Master of International Relations in 2017, and I'm almost at the end of my Master of Social Work uh, degree. And that's all about me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That's all about you. So, you have taken two <laughs> courses already. So, your first is international. Um, yes. 
international studies, am I correct? Relations. And, uh, international relations. And yes, it's more about politics also. and, yes. Okay, so let's go back yes. first. To, so I used to... Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Harshani. I used to work in the diplomatic uh, setting back in Sri Lanka, so coordinator between Sri Lankan Foreign Ministry and the uh, Embassy of Myanmar in Sri Lanka. So that's my background. I came into social work because of my passion of helping mm. people. And passion in a different uh, sector rather than in, in yes. politics and international relations. Yes. You wanted to do social right. work. What about you, Bristy? What's your background in Nepal prior to coming to Australia? I've been all over the place, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I was in Nepal until my 12th year. And then I went to India for my psychology degree. And then I worked in India for a year in a school. Uh, I used to be a thinking skills trainer there. Uh, so it was mostly psychology. And uh, yeah, so it was with kids and within school. But I, to be honest, I felt like I needed to do something more. I wanted to be like more involved with people and issues. So that's how I went back home and came here. <laughs> That's right. So for both of you, can you give me a little glimpse of the reason or what made you study, think about studying again and now here in Australia? What was the, you know, what was the trigger? Or what was the situation that prompted you to, to move again to another country? And now you're in the Trans-Tasman Pacific side of the world, which is so different from where you've come from. So maybe any one of you can start answering that question. So, so Go for, ahead, me, uh, for me, it's like I need to, I need to uh, like uh, have a different experience, like learning experience and also working experience from another country so that I can apply the way the systematic, uh, you know, approaches things like when I go back to my country and uh, Join the workforce there, so yeah, okay. So, you are all, all uh, at this stage thinking about going back and bringing your expertise and everything that you learned here to help, yes. uh, obviously, improve the situation in your home. Okay, yes, Christy, what fine. about you? One of the main reasons was a completely different, completely independent of the career that I chose was travel. To be honest, so I really wanted to see cultures beyond uh, the South Asian subcontinent and something different. Like we used to see movies, but I really wanted to live that before you know before we settled, like everybody would. And I think that was one of the main reason. And the second would be like Parchani said, in experience beyond what we grew up in. So the social work in Nepal might be completely different than how we practice here. So the way they practice there is, you know, people think social work is more like, you know, helping and charity and things like that. But then when we actually do social work practice in Western world, it's completely different. And the way we see it is completely different. So mm. that's also another reason. Mm. Okay. Before I move on to my, my next topic, I just want to know your thoughts around social work as a profession. Is this a very women-dominated profession or... You know, it just so happened that I'm interviewing two lovely women who are almost finishing up with social work. What are your observations being in being, um, you know, a social worker student? Is, is this like an equal opportunity kind of job for both men and women? Like what you hear so far? 
Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking on the subscribe button now. This podcast is possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Um, I think uh, I think I'll start. Um, as far as I have observed, uh, being in Nepal and being Kia, I think it we can say that it's more dominated by women, but I don't think it's because the profession itself is biased. on gender but um i may be wrong but i feel that women are more drawn towards it because they have that kind of like especially in our cultures uh, it's seen that men have to do something very major like it sector or business or be a doctor or a lawyer something like that but then women sub- subconsciously tend to draw towards the empathetic kind of scenario it's like helping and you know because we are also homely we have that you know cultural and that nature in us so i think that's the reason why women are more drawn and mm. i saw like majority of our classmates are also women i don't know if it's the same here but yeah so, so that's your experience yeah thank you for that what about you harshani is the same experience yeah. uh, you witnessed during the whole entire time you were studying yes uh, adding to bristy i always think that uh, women uh, are more drawn into this uh, uh, area because you know that's more about people who are oppressed and i believe like women who are oppressed uh women are the most oppressed in any society so i think yeah out of personal experience and uh, and also like i think that's that's the main reason like women are more into this uh, thing you know like helping people and uh, also helping people who are uh, going through uh, difficult times as a result of uh, domestic violence or mental health issues mm-hmm. and so on yeah and um, which brings me to the main reason why we're having a conversation today is because I've done a little bit of research. I know it's not the same kind of research that you do, but I'm doing some kind of digging. And um, it talks about some of the challenges of international students here in Australia. And you can link this back to your experience in your home country when you studied. And, uh, you know, obviously you are finding differences in, in terms of what you learned there and what some of the things that I found that are challenging. And you ha- you can correct this if this is not right. You can... also say this that's true based on some of the five major areas where a lot of international students are challenged are in the areas of financial financial hardships um differences in the educational system the language barrier the cultural differences and sometimes workplace harassment like you said the the women are mostly oppressed and they're drawn to this kind of profession so you cannot help but maybe at one stage they might experience that. So is the research true based on your experience? Are those areas that I mentioned, financial differences in educational system, language, cultural, and even workplace harassment, does do they exist? Or am I just reading too much into the situation? Or you you think that, you know, the, the, these things are not applicable in your case? Anyone can, anyone can um, answer yeah. that. I think you're absolutely right Mimi because uh, uh, you know we were having our last presentations I mean uh, last week and we were talking about all these issues that we are going through I think uh, yes uh, language barrier is one of the major issues that a lot of people cannot access like uh, especially as students we cannot access many services that are available to us uh, and they 
won't even know that these services exist for them. So they have to have, you know, you have to go through interpreters or translators to get to know about these services available for them. And as well, as you said, the bullying happens at workplace too. And uh, one of our friends actually shared some experiences with us, like that she was bullied during her placement. Bisti, I think you, you can remember too. Yeah. And she said, like, uh, they, a lot of uh, staff members had preconceived assumptions about the cultural restrictions and all, and based on her religion and all. And they started criticizing her. They made fun of her and all. Yeah, those are, like, really good, uh, like, very uh, challenging uh, situations that we have to go through. Bristi, do you have anything to add to what Harshani has already shared? I would like to add uh, that, you know, in the hopes of having a good uh, education and good career, in you know in future a lot of international students are drawn to Australia and some of them might not be financially stable back home and you know there are couples that come in and one of them is studying and the other are in the hopes of earning money to support uh, the wife or the husband that's studying so you know that becomes like a lot of uh, financial strain on them because whatever they earn everything goes on the education because it's very expensive for international students here compared to what a normal Australian would have to pay even for our course it's very high so I think financial uh, challenges are the most uh, prominent ones and then cultural barriers of course and then language because we don't see many people of our own in my personal experience I live in the east of Melbourne and the area that I live in we don't have many Nepalese people around so when I go out in the street if I even hear one single person speaking my language I'd be like oh my god you know that kind of a thing it's really like a luxury for you to hear yeah it really feels like you're being away you've been dragged away from your cultural and your existence in itself so that becomes like a big challenge for us so i think that you guys are very strong you know a person who wants to study here in australia having to really unknowingly yeah when you come here you're excited you just you just want to study and unknowingly you will experience any or a combination of these five challenges really tests you as an individual how strong you are how resilient you are and if you can overcome them then that shows a lot about your character so really the international students are a dime in a dozen i mean they're they're not this is not for everyone a lot of people think that you know there's a prestige associated with having to study overseas but they don't know the things that are happening behind the curtain in someone's life all they see are the instagram posts of where they where they you know where they go where they eat where uh, where they hang out but they don't know the other side of it like do you guys also work i mean do you have to uh, are you on a scholarship or do you need to have your own part-time job so you can support yourself when you study here what's the situation like i think without having a job is very difficult because i think harshani can relate to this as well because uh the currency exchange rate itself is like sky high for us and Australian dollars. So even if maybe it's just me, I don't know. But then I feel like even though my parents can send me money, I'll be like, I'm already independent. Should I? Should I not? So, you know, because exchange rate is so high. I don't want to be a burden on my parents. Kind of a thing, you know, the guilt thing that happens. And you're bound to get, you know, very agitated if you don't have a part-time job. And even though your parents are like supportive, oh, we'll send you money or something like that. I have tend to have that feeling like, no, I shouldn't burden my parents so much. That's so right. without having that assurance on the side, it's very difficult. Yeah, that's true. Arshani, do you have a similar experience? That's the same to my too. But I have my husband who can support me financially. So, and uh, like he, he's been there left 
you know, he'd be like financially supporting me for both courses and all. And um, I lost like many shifts because of the, uh, I, I was working for this restaurant, Mimi knows about it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I lost like four shifts and I'm just working on Saturdays now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's the situation at the yeah, moment. That's so if, okay. I, if I was alone, I don't think I'll be able to support that's my... That's right. I can imagine yeah. how difficult it is. And to tell you honestly, even though these are only temporary, you know, you need a job in order to survive. But the end of the day when you finish with your degree you're going closer to your goal and and your dream job and and how to make a difference while loving the work that you do and getting paid for it you know it's your work right now is just a, a means to another goal it's not the the end of it so i am really encouraging you to to stay there and uh, it'll it'll soon be over so don't don't get too worried about that i, I want to pick up on a point harshani that you mentioned a while ago about the language barrier and uh, some students are not aware that these services are available to them i find it quite extraordinary to hear that because i was thinking that your uni should be the first point of contact or point of call for all these services that you need when you're kind of grasping and you don't know where to to go and you don't know what to do. So if if the uni won't provide that, where do international students go to seek the help that they need? So can you enlighten me a little bit? Uh, how does that work? Yes, yes. Uh, so I'll, I'll share uh, my personal experience. So when I came to Australia in 2016, so I was an introvert. I don't share my opinions with others because I was always insecure about my communication skills. Yeah. So uh, what happened was the only way to found myself more included was, you know, getting to know uh, more uh, people from other countries, like Asian countries, especially, who are going through the same experiences. So I could relate myself to them and I started talking about them. We had a support group and all. So that was really uh, a good thing that happened to me. So I started opening about myself and I started finding uh, more opportunities and more uh, chances available for us uh, in the university. So this was just Lothrop University, not Federation. And, um, so it's more like, you know, a shared experience that helped me uh, to get over those things. Mm. So you really have to network. You cannot survive here by just, yes. uh, sur- you know, being on your own. You have to get out there, talk to other people, find those support groups, which I really think is a good idea. I think more more women would do that to men. Men would probably lock themselves <laughs> in and just try to yes. put things out on their own. But the world is not working that way. You need to really extend yourself and find the people who can help you out. Now tell me, what's the situation like with COVID? Are international students being supported by the Australian government in terms of what they would need to survive COVID? Or you're still on your own trying to um, make sense and uh, make sense of everything? Or were there was there ever a point where you said, I can't do this anymore, I might as well go back to my home country because COVID's not helping me? What are the thought processes of international students during COVID, in terms of, you know, being worried. Prior to COVID, you're probably already challenged by those areas we talked about. I'm thinking COVID made it more difficult. Bristy, maybe you have an idea or an experience around that. COVID, I think, has made many lives upside down, I would say. Uh, and I think it's very difficult for international students on top of it, because uh, as you see, the whole hospitality industry is down. And... Uh, at the moment and I think 
a lot of international students were employed in the hospitality industry. I am one of the very lucky ones that I am in the healthcare sector. You know, the job keeper and uh, the finances that, that the government provides through the workspaces, that's not uh, eligible. Uh, I mean, international students are not eligible for that. So during the whole lockdown, during the whole takeaway only stage, international students were not included in um, the workforce because they were not eligible for the job keeper money that the government was giving. So I think those kind of things, if it was extended to everybody, regardless of their nationality or regardless of where they are from, what their situation is, I think it would have been much more better. Mm. But the government did come up with international support funds, as far as I know. I was not eligible because I was still working, but I was still there, the $1,100 that was up. I have heard cases where, I have heard one case where a friend of mine did not get it, despite not being at work for six long months. I don't know what the screening process was or what happened, but he did not get it. So mm. I was a bit skeptical of how this works. Yeah. I'm not and very some sure. people I heard because I'm I'm in a Facebook group for Filipinos and there was one time when somebody said that they were already offering international students a plane ticket to go back to the Philippines because some of those students will never ever survive as a result of COVID. They might as well go back now and think about coming back later when it's still an option for them. Or maybe the dream to finish studying here will have to be put to a close for now because of COVID. So I think it's in an individual kind of situation. Like you said, you're lucky you still have a, have a job. Arshani, you have a loving husband who just waiting for you to finish. <laughs> you can start working and earning uh, and, and helping him out as well. But for those people who are still, you know, not sure whether studying in Australia is still for them, despite all of the challenges that we talked about, do you guys still advise people to continue studying here as an international student? So that's my last question. And the other last question is, and if, and if yes, what is your strategy or tip that you can advise them so that they can survive, uh, you know, when they really decide to, to move here and, and study for another? Yes, uh, I would say just hang in there. Uh, everything will be fine. Uh, like in, in few, like after two, three months, everything will be fine, I believe. And uh, also believe in yourself uh, that you're strong because we know that, you know, we have been in like, we have gone through a lot and uh, we have uh, coped with different, you know, traumatic situations that I have gone through. And um, if you have, if you're going through something, I would say, please talk to someone. Uh, there are a lot of services available in your universities. And also you have, might have, you know, friends who will be able to emotionally uh, support you during difficult times. So, so I'll be that kind of friend. I'll, I'll be, talking to my friends I'll be helping them I have been helping a lot of people uh, like that so yeah that's the only advice that I have yeah so you still still think it's a good idea to study here don't let these issues stop them from dreaming and stop them from going uh, for their you know ultimate goal okay that's a very good um, advice Christy what about you if you were to talk to another person who is um, interested to study here and um you know, embark on a, on a journey that they don't know what's going to happen to them. What are you going to tell them? Um, I think I'll totally agree with what uh, Harchani just said. I think uh, we have to be strong and 
despite saying that we have to be strong, there will be circumstances where one might feel at the lowest level or very low or not very, you know, motivated to do anything. I think that is the time when we have to be actively looking at our resources. So university can be one of the main resources. And I think Study Melbourne is also one of uh, the resources that we can look out to. Uh, there are a lot of um, services that is provided by your university, like the counseling services. You will have uh, free counseling service. Quite a few the so- social workers. <laughs> Actually, in February, there's a very good, even though for your smallest of issues to your largest, I think the main point of contact should be the university and your community. They are the most reliable people uh, that we can speak out to. And I think it's still a be- good idea to stay here and uh, continue on your education because your education is important. That's and right. you have embarked on this journey. Once you reach there... There's no turning back. <laughs> everything else would be like, wow, I did this. This yes. was difficult. And I, you know, yeah. I came across and I was strong. So that should be what should be motivating everybody. That's right. Well, ladies, I really appreciate everything that you said, and hopefully that would really inspire other people to um, continue on, uh, hang in there. COVID is not here forever, and if it is, we will learn to live with it. Uh, We will find ways of adapting to this situation, and I'm really happy that you um, are open about your experience and you are open to sharing them. So I think what I will offer to the listeners right now or, or our viewers is if they have a question about how to study as an international student, if you guys are, are happy for me to link you up with those people, uh, they can contact me through mimi at dinosocial.com. So Harshani and Risti, thank you very much for your time. I hope this is not the end. I hope you can come back and um, let's continue our conversations about your experiences as international students. Maybe when you become full-fledged social workers, duly certified by the... Um, what do you call that? The Association of Social Workers, I think it is. Okay. ASSW or something like that. Yes. Uh, please come back because there will be more work available. And part of that is extending our resources to information sharing. And this is exactly what we're trying to do in this show. So thank you, everyone. And um, just to remind our viewers that Samutsari is a member of the Gorilla Podcast Syndicate. You can also reach out to me via my Facebook page or through my Twitter account. And obviously, please don't forget to like, subscribe to my YouTube. Thank you very much, Harshani and Bristy. Let's say goodbye to um, to our viewers. And guys, I'll see you at the next episode. Bye for now. This is me saying bye. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit our website at www.guerillapodcastsyndicate.com where you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. You can also join the conversation with Gorillas RV on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please consider on making a donation to help us keep making the podcast you love. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. A Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate Production. We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at guerrillapodcastsyndicate.com. Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one. 
but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com www.kangaroofern.com